The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. The one-two pitch, ball line to Yout, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air... Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history. Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center. He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well, and it's gone! Morgan a smash up the middle, base hit the center. Here comes Gomez around third. A throw and the Brewers win. The Brewers are moving on on a base hit by Nigel Morgan. Here it is. Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up, get up, get out of here and go for Yelich. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. And me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast, uh, the calendar has turned to 2023. We are now in a year where our Brewers baseball viewing is in front of us and not behind us. And I think that's something worth being really excited about. Adam, Happy New Year. How you doing? Happy New Year, Andrew. Happy New Year to all the listeners. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, the Brewers are giving us the big, noisy, bombastic, exciting offseason that we all hoped for. And I'm doing well. As you said, into 2023, it just makes opening day seem all the nearer. Spring training will be upon us before we know it. So I'm I'm doing well. Before we get into things, Andrew, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut you off right there. Uh, we've got some exciting news to announce, some exciting news you may hear across the rest of the Eurostep Podcast Network shows, too. Um, We've always been really big on community, right, Andrew? Setting up places where listeners can talk to us, we can talk to listeners, where we can have ongoing conversation about all the things surrounding the various teams and topics we cover here at GSPN, and all the things that come up episode to episode, and we're really excited to partner up with Repod. Uh, to create uh, another place where we can do that and a place that I think is going to be really kind of well-suited to what we do. What's Repod, you might ask? If you don't know, it is an app or website, depending on what way you want to log in, what way you want to use it. Uh, Designate the podcast. So pretty much all the podcasts in the world can be there. They're found on it. Um, you can go follow them. There's native podcast players built in. We occasionally hear from people who don't listen via Apple or Spotify. They want another way to listen to pods. This will certainly provide that platform. But what it's also going to do is it's going to give us a, a kind of a town hall where people can chime in on a specific episode. You can go and leave your comments under an episode. We can kind of have back and forth. We'll probably throw out all sorts of questions that can be answered in there by listeners and we can talk true and maybe bring ideas forward to future episodes so it's going to be a really fun place where if you've got thoughts we know this can be sometimes a bit of a 
a one-way street where Andrew and I talk things and you might sit there nodding your head in agreement, I'm sure 99% of the time, but that other 1% disagreeing furiously. Well, whichever way you feel, you now have a place where you can go and you can let us hear what you think about an episode and we can kind of talk through lots of things that come up back and forth. So, Repod is the name of the app. It's the name of the service. Um, to join the Cruising for a Bruising community on Repod, you go to joinrepod.com forward slash cruising for bruising. You can download the app, iOS, Android, whatever it is. You can use it online, on a browser. It's all up to you. But that's a fun new place where you're going to find Andrew and I, and I'm sure the rest of the GSPN crew, talking about the brewers and talking about things that come up on this podcast. So it's not the first time. It's not, well, it is the first time. It's not the last time you're going to hear us talk about it. But just to get that out there up front, join repod.com forward slash cruising for bruising. Breaking news. We were five minutes wrapped from this episode when the <laughs> Brewers made a few uh, jokes that we had sprinkled into the end of this podcast irrelevant. The Milwaukee Brewers have signed a major league free agent, a person that played in major league baseball during the 2022 season. And it's an old friend, Adam, an old friend of the Milwaukee Brewers. Wade Miley is in agreement uh for a deal with the Milwaukee Brewers for $4.5 million that could also earn him an extra $1.5 million in incentives. Uh, a back half of the rotation starting pitcher, a veteran who's probably like defines the phrase journeyman better than uh, anyone really can. He spent time with the Arizona Diamondbacks, the Boston Red Sox, the Seattle Mariners, the Baltimore Orioles, the Brewers, the Houston Astros, Cincinnati Reds, and last season with the Chicago Cubs. For his career, like he's a veteran. He has He's had good seasons. He's had bad seasons, but he's really just a solid back half of the rotation starter. Over 1,600 innings in his career, a 4-1-3 ERA. Last year, 37 innings with the Cubs, a 3-16 ERA. He was hampered by shoulder and elbow injuries. That 2018 season uh, with the Brewers where he threw 80 and two-thirds innings and had a 3-12 ERA and then also featured prominently during that playoff run. Adam, this is a great value signing for what he is, this guy that can provide that pitching depth at the back half of the rotation uh, that they did not have last year. That gives them the flexibility to, A, trade someone that's currently slotted in for a starting role, or B, use one of those players like an Aaron Ashby in a relief situation. They can more, six- more than one. Yeah, they could do the six-man rotation. There's a lot of options now with this signing, and it's a good value deal to get a veteran who, when he's right and when he's healthy, puts up better than league average performance in the starting rotation. So uh, all in all, I think a a very solid move, especially if it's the precursor to using it to do other moves. And, uh, but the one thing that is true is the Brewers have spent a literal dollar this off season. They have a sick, sick sense of humor. That's all I've got to say for the hockey Brewers. Andrew and I wanted to spend all, all off season. Will they make it, just make a deal. Brewers go and make a deal. And as if they knew, something we never do, we had a three-podcast recording night lined up. We finished the Brewers portion of the proceedings, as Andrew said, we're just in it. And yeah, Brewers spend some money. Um, we are glad to see them spend some money. Yeah, good deal. Um, I'm more interested... I mean, there, there are also reasons uh, to have doubts over Wade Miley at this point, which... Uh, the Brewers know about themselves. That's why the contract is constructed in the way it is even. Um, but I'm most interested in just what it's going to mean next uh, because that is quite the logjam. Or, again, maybe it's not. Like So much of what we have talked about recently and what you'll hear later in this podcast that we talked about before the Brewers actually signed Wade Miley is a lot of flyers for the bullpen that are not even the most convincing flyers. They feel like flyers that might not stick through the opening day. And with that, maybe there's a completely different approach taken. I guess the Brewers could look to 
Adrian Hauser, Aaron Ashby. It would be surprising with Ashby. It doesn't really fit the vision with extending Ashby to go this route. Um, although in other ways, he would seem like a good candidate for it to be someone who is in your bullpen and you utilize best in that way for this season. But that could be the answer is, okay, one thing I know that we talked about quite a bit last season was the Brewers' lack of guys who could give them multiple innings, kind of middle relievers who could give them two, maybe three innings, and particularly if you had starters go down injured or the inevitable bad start comes for everyone. It came even for Corbin Burns on, I guess, three or four times across the course of the season where your starters being pulled really early. Who can bridge that gap? Brewers really lacked in that. They only had single inning relievers who on those kind of nights, you're going to go through your full bullpen. You're going to be stretched for the next night. And if you're dealing with injuries, you're in a whole world of pain. Perhaps this is just part of guiding against that. They have now seven guys who could start more. As I think she was at eight, eight guys who are technically starting pitchers. Yeah. You're going Burns, Woodruff, Peralta, um, Lauer, Ashby, Hauser, Hauser, Junk, Bryce Wilson, if you want to throw him in there, Wade Miley. Wade Miley, obviously, ahead of uh, two of those guys. I mean, there's there's depth there at that they did not have at the end of last season. And I think that's a real positive, though. To your point, like, w- where do they go from here? I mean, you've got Ethan Small in, in Nashville, who I think you and I are hoping to see in a bullpen role. Uh, this season to just see what happens in that scenario. Um, yeah, what, what what's or next? Ma- or maybe maybe you're trading him because I don't. I I that's kind of that's the. I wasn't expecting if they were to make a move that it would feel like the like we're waiting for the other shoe to drop, but it does kind of feel like that's the case here. Um, I do think even if he passes his physical, right, they will have to open up a roster. Yeah, spot there, anyway. there's now a. Uh, I guess a, a log jam on the the forty man after the move uh, to acquire Bryce Wilson. They DFA Trevor Kelly, as you'll hear in a few minutes. Um, uh, so at this point, we do not know who that person is going to be. I'm assuming that'll come out maybe uh, today if you're listening to this. Uh, so. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think we're going to get to add on. Uh, no, that there part will of the be process. no second of death. If anything well, else happens, there's going to be a follow-up pod in the next few days. Yeah, we'll we'll weigh in on that next week if it's meaningful. But uh, we're we're just gonna we're gonna stick to what we know in the moment, and that's Wade Miley. You are a Milwaukee Brewer again, and we're we're happy to have you. How many innings will he end up throwing? Is this going to be? Is he at full health, bouncing back for all his uh, injuries last year, and get up in the, you know. 150 160 innings range i mean the middle part of his career in his prime with arizona he was getting close at over 200 innings from time to time i don't think that's probably in the tank at this point in his career going into a season in which he'll be uh 36 for the entire season but you know what veteran starter at a cheap rate that can provide bulk innings two thumbs up for me and you know what the brewers they spent money at him. They did it. Now, you know, do you want to spend some more? Do you want to make an exciting trade? We would not be opposed to that. Also, I got to say it depends what the trade is, too. Because, like, for example, I think Eric Lauer being on the trade block would make a whole lot of sense in a lot of ways now. But my one note of caution on that is just Wade Miley is great when you have the depth built in that if injuries do strike and he's nothing all season, well, it doesn't matter. You just took a flyer and didn't work out. Um, So we're talking about them having such a logjam where it's like they've got X many starters, but there is risk attached to multiple guys for different reasons towards the back end of that, where I don't think that should necessarily just prompt them to be like, oh, well, we've got all these guys, so... Lauer is dispensable and we're going to actively kind of look to trade him now. For sure, he is someone that you could get an upgrade. And 
it's possible that, yeah, you could expose yourself a little bit to your pitching depth, but if you're getting something in return that's meaningful enough to make that worthwhile, then, yeah, you've got to consider it or do it. But that would be my one thing. It does feel like it's it's leading us into a move like that, but I do think they need to still be very, very careful, and if they're going to do something along those lines, the return has got to be good. Like It's got to be something yeah. that's obviously plugging a gap elsewhere. Upgrade uh, offensively is pretty much the only thing that makes sense if you're going to deal uh, a Lauer, we'll say, from this standpoint. I think what makes the most sense going into opening day, if this is what you've got, is obviously Burns, Woodruff, Peralta, Lauer, Miley fills out the rotation, and then I think you start the season with Ashby as that multi-inning swingman, and then you just count on him filling in gaps if guys need time. I think that's how you start the season. Some. Things are going to happen out of your control. Maybe someone goes down with an injury that takes them out for multiple months and you have Ashby slot right back in. I think you've got options at this point, and that's the most encouraging thing. That is, unless they do deal from what is now more of a position of strength than it was last year. Uh, there may be a shoe to drop. Uh, we'll see in the coming weeks if what that is. I think if it is to get a meaningful upgrade, with a right-handed bat at either third base or right field. That's something to be excited about. Um, I mean, I think the one thing that we can say about the Brewers this offseason is, you know, Matt Arnold, not new in town, but new to the sole, not sole decision maker, but the primary decision maker here, uh, is he, he has a knack of surprising us, and he may do it yet again. He may well do it. All right, I think that is it for update. You can now resume your uh, your regularly scheduled Brewers episode where we take a look around the NL Central. There's no more addendums coming. Trust me, you're not going to hear another addendum right after this one. Let's talk about Bryce Wilson and the NL Central. Have fun, everyone. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is mostly going to be, a, uh, and to use a term that Adam didn't introduce me to, but it is used a lot and it's now one of my favorites, a whistle-stop tour through the additions that other NL Central teams have made. Uh, but before we get to that... Hold, hold uh, on, are... hold on, hold on. Is that a... Did you hear that from me first? No, I definitely didn't hear it from you first, but then... In some Isn't, that movie a Harry Truman? Isn't that a Harry Truman thing? That's when he was when he was trying to get elected, he did a whistle stop sir. I think that's the origin of it. I'm sure it is, but I never thought about it until <laughs> we had episodes where we had to talk about like 10 movies at once. So here we are. I appreciate you for that. Uh, there have been a few more uh, Brewers moves uh, since the last time that we chatted. First move is Old Friend. Former Brewer Alex Claudio signed to a minor league contract. Uh, Claudio appeared in 103 games across the 19 or the 2019 and 2020 seasons for the Brewers. Uh, I think spent last year with the Mets um, mm -hmm. and in AAA with the Mets in Syracuse, where he spent most of his time. Uh, since the uh, start of the 2021 season, he's got a 5 ERA and a 4.97 FIP. He's one of those guys who has been really impacted by the three batter minimum rule because he is pretty much the dictionary definition of a left-handed specialist 
really performs well against left-handed batters, but righties hit him pretty hard uh, and get on base against him at a pretty good clip. He will get a chance in spring training probably to win a job uh, as another left-hander in the bullpen because as of right now, the Brewers really do not have too many left-handed bullpen options. You're looking at Hobie Milner because we expect Aaron Ashby to be a starter, uh, but we could see Claudio in Nashville if he doesn't end up end up winning it a job in spring training, but Alex Claudio back to the Brewers. Feels like uh, just the latest and we'll go to another one in a second in the, Oh, the Brewers are going to take all of the flyers, but at kind of the lowest, lowest risk level possible where I, I feel like we're still at a point where with most of these guys were like, are they really in the mix for, for actual roster spots? Could they break through? I don't even know what the Brewers take. We'll maybe get to that in a minute with some of the, the quotes around the other player who has arrived with the team since then. Um, but this is very much the approach so far. It seems to be, yeah, well, we're not really spending at all. And we're going to take a look at as many kind of guys we can pick up and be like, oh, maybe there's something there. Maybe there's something fixable where that person could be a part of the bullpen or could work within the system. This feels like the latest name on that list to me, particularly with just three games at the Mets last year. So it's it's really a year removed from meaningful major league play for Claudio. Moving on to the next bit of bit of business the Brewers did is bringing in uh, someone uh, that I hope really succeeds for biased reasons. Uh the Brewers acquired right-handed starting pitcher Bryce Wilson from the Pittsburgh Pirates. He is a uh, Durham, North Carolina native, uh, went to high school at Orange High School in Hillsborough, North Carolina. I went to Cedar Ridge High School in Hillsborough, North Carolina. So uh, a guy from where I'm from and where I live currently, so I want him to do really well. Uh, he came up in the Braves organization and has really struggled uh, to find consistency as a starter at the major league level across 232 and one-third innings uh, for both the Pirates and the Braves. He holds a 5-5-4 ERA. He's an interesting uh, pitch mix guy. Uh, throws, I think, five pitches, a sinker, a four-seam fastball, a changeup, a slider, and a curveball. Adam McAlvey said that he added a splitter towards the end uh, of last season and started to find some success with that. On StatCast, it just has those five pitches, but it may be uh, lumping in the splitter with the changeup via that pitch data, so who knows there. Uh, last season uh, was the first time that he shifted to throwing the sinker more than the forcing fastball. Uh, maybe that's uh, a change along with the addition of the splitter that the Brewers are thinking they can use to help him find more success at the big league level. Matt Arnold's quote about the trade we are happy to acquire Bryce. He's a former top prospect with good pedigree and has the opportunity to compete for a spot on our opening day roster. He is still young with major league experience as both a starter and reliever, and we believe he can be a solid addition to our pitching unit. So whether it's a reclamation project as a starter, if they can get him to Nashville after spring training, uh, he is out of options. So that seems like it might be tough. Or if it's another situation where they're going to see if his stuff plays up in a bullpen role, Bryce Wilson acquired from the Pirates for ca cash and Trevor Kelly DFA to make room for uh, Wilson on the 40 man. Do we know what kind of, what kind of speed his fastball clocks in at? So this has been one of the issues with his four seam fastball over the years. When he started out as a rookie during the 2018 season, his average fastball velocity working mostly as a starter here. Um, so in a bullpen role, you would hope it would mm -hmm. tick up was 94.9 miles uh, per hour. Uh, last year, I think it really uh, reached a career low at 92.7 average miles per hour on the four seam fastball. So that drop in velocity is concerning uh, unless he's just locking into becoming focused on that sinker and becoming a ground ball pitcher. Obviously it, certain points in his career we've seen adrian hauser have great success doing that as a brewer are they viewing him in that same role or is there or is there something in a short inning stint they want to see before making decisions uh it sounds like keeping options open and being vague is where matt arnold is going with this yeah it might just be another 
we might as well take a look. Like, we might as well take a shot on this guy. We've got nothing else going on. Let's let's see what happens. I I ask that question, of course, because um to probably project a more meaningful long term role. Long term being, you know, over Sadia. But to to imagine him being on the roster next season, you would guess that the Brewers would look to change up while well, I guess he has tried to be for a lot of his career, make him into a reliever. And then the question is, do you throw gas? Because that's just it's been what the what the Brewers have been prioritizing under Matt Arnold, it seems like. So that's interesting, particularly those trending down. Although maybe that's kind of the signal that it really is time to fully change things up and let's let's try to reinvent you as something completely different to where you've been at this point, because that may not be working for you. Yeah, he's coming to the point, I mean, probably would usually like to see a guy have more innings than this before you decide 100% that he's not a starter, but he's getting to the point in his career where if it's just not working as a starter, it makes a lot of sense to try something else. He just turned 25, so um, he's still got a lot of good years left in his arm if he can make that um, transition to the bullpen. And like you said, it's just another another lottery ticket that's – Really no risk other than the the cash going the other way because Trevor Kelly was not going to factor into this uh, team. I wish he had more options. I think that that would have been an even more of a no-brainer decision for the Brewers because one of the things they've looked to do this offseason is around the edges of their rotation, they've added organizational depth that they didn't have last year in Jansen Junk, Tyson Miller, um, guys that you can take a chance on if you have injury issues in the rotation that avoid you having to get to that bullpen day so i wish i wish he had more options and he could be added to that mix but who knows what will shake out after spring training um that's all we've got for additions to the team uh we're getting to the point past uh christmas past new year's the market had seen a slowdown we're still waiting to see when even carlos correa's deal will become official with all the things going around there Uh, as we get closer to spring training all of those the rest of the free agents that have not signed will start to sign. We might see the trade market heat up again. We hope so, so we have something to talk about. But in future episodes, I think if if uh, if it stays like it is and we have things we can assume about the roster, we might have an episode where we devote ourselves to asking, would you be okay with rolling into this, uh, rolling into opening day with this roster and this layout? But we'll cross well, that bridge another that- time. Yeah, that might be a future episode, but what I will ask you now is, do you think the Brewers will be, whether okay or not, that they will be rolling with essentially what we're looking at right now? It's open day. It's it's getting to a point where it seems like that is likely. I still think there's one more move. I think a they've got to they've sign type. someone, right? Because otherwise... That is going to be a graphic that shows up on every game or every time something goes wrong. Like you're going to be beaten over the head with that all throughout the season. Anytime something goes wrong, and I'm not even talking about fans because I don't know if they care about fans complaining about spending. But I mean, from a national media perspective, if you're a big zero in terms of dollars spent at free agency and you're just getting lapped by every single team in baseball, I think that's. That's something that they may not want to be the case. But at a certain point, like if you don't want that to be the case, you gotta go and find someone that you like and give them some money. <laughs> like I don't know. Maybe the commissioner's office gives out an award if they don't uh spend a single dollar on a major league free agent. Who knows? Uh maybe Matt Arnold Adam... really wants executive of the year. And it's gonna be, you know, he was he didn't even make splashy deals. He just made one one great trade that just changed things around. And that's all he needed. The man's a genius. Yandy Diaz is out there. He can add trade number three to his catalog and still spend not spend any money and make this team uh as competitive as they need to be. The rest of the NL Central, Adam, uh some of these teams have made some moves. Uh, some more than others. The, uh, the two that the Brewers would expect to be in most direct competition with have at least made one significant move uh, 
But we're going to start at the bottom here and work our way. Towards, oh, are we? Oh, boy. Towards, towards the good parts. Uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, Rich Hill on a one-year deal. Carlos Santana on a one-year deal. Austin Hedges on a one-year deal. Vince Velasquez on a one-year deal. Harleen Garcia on a one-year deal. Uh, the big mystery to me about the uh, the Pirates is that they still have not traded Brian Reynolds. What are you waiting for? You are letting an asset depreciate in real time. This is not like a situation where you're leading the division at the trade deadline and you're trading Josh Hader and everyone's going to be mad at you. Everyone wants you to trade Brian Reynolds before it's too late. His defense trended down last year. He was worse offensively last year. Still a very good player. Should be traded to a contender. Has not happened. Uh, my big uh, headlining move here is Rich Hill. Uh, almost about to turn, I think, during the season, 43 years old. Still going strong. Uh Played for the Boston Red Sox last year. If you're a longtime baseball fan, you'll know that his nickname is Dick Mountain, which is just tremendous. We need to bring the Players Weekend jerseys back so that we can see Dick Mountain on a Pittsburgh Pirates jersey. Um, But yeah, not a lot of significant upgrades there for a team that you would expect to be pretty bad. Uh, Hill last year, 124 and a third innings, a 4-2-7 ERA for the Red Sox at age 42 a late bloomer in his career who was a prize prospect that didn't figure it out until uh, developing that absolute nasty curveball that saved his career. A great story, a guy I always root for when it's not going up against my team, but not a lot going on in, from this group of players. Yeah, that's grim. I mean, if the Brewers <laughs> look as grim this offseason, that is a whole lot worse. I guess as if this hadn't already happened, the keys are fully handed over to guys like O'Neill Cruz and Key Brian Hayes. And it's like, yeah, well, let's make something happen. Your point on Reynolds is entirely accurate, though. What are what are you doing there? What is the point? Because this team really has now gone past the place where you could convince yourself, oh, no, well, it would be good to have him around because if the young guys really pop, well, then we're like this close to, they are way, way off, particularly with, a couple of other teams in the division strengthening. Uh, yeah, that, that just, it must be miserable to be a Pirates fan right now. I mean, maybe there's some things to look forward to in the longer term outlook, but also, I guess you should be able to start making some steps towards that now with the kind of deals you look to do as well. It doesn't seem like that's how, uh, how ownership, how the front office are processing things in Pittsburgh right now. Yeah, Carlos Santana, the other most notable name, uh, played in 131 games in Seattle last year, a 692 OPS. Not quite the player he was during the prime of his career when he was primarily a, a catcher for uh, the Cleveland organization. I expect he will spend his time at first base for Pittsburgh. Uh yeah, and I did this in reverse order. They were tied in the standings. And actually, Pittsburgh had a worse run differential. So I stand by the order in which I selected these. Uh, that that took it, some doing, too. Like, when you think about that, like the Pirates and the Pirates and the Pirates have one good run in the season, too. Um, but they had a, a good run against like the, beating Bre- the, the Brewers. The Dodgers <laughs> and beating the Dodgers like twice in a week, I feel like. Um they also did uh, acquire G-Man Choi in a, in a trade, mm-hmm. so that was probably the the headliner move that they made. So you probably go into the regular season with Santana as your DH, uh, Brian went Reynolds in center, Jack Solinsky left, Cruz at short, Brian Hayes at third, Rodolfo Castro at second, Choi uh, at first base, and Austin Hedges, who is most certainly a defense first catcher behind the plate. Uh, this has the makings of another fourth place or fifth place team. And as a fan, like you said, you're just like every day you go to the ballpark, you're like, hopefully Cabrian Hayes or O'Neill Cruz will do something that Mm -hmm. I get to tell my friends about at the water cooler the next day. And maybe they will like they're at the kind of age or maybe they will. We know all about the O'Neill Cruz experience. It blows my mind every time when I think that, Oh, he is not in fact the best player in baseball. He just happens to look like that. Anytime we see him. But he certainly has the tools to be that kind of level of player. So I guess the Pirates need him to put it together. Those fans desperately need him to put it together because I don't know how else the outlook is changing here. Next up, Adam, is the Cincinnati Reds. They were, like we said, tied 
with a 62 and 100 record. Um, their offseason moves, signing a guy that we talked about on our uh, Brewers Will They Won't They podcast, a right fielder DH first base type, Will Myers, to a a one-year uh, $7.5 million deal. I think there's an option in there as well. Uh, they also brought back Kurt Casale, a catcher, um, who had spent the previous season with Seattle but was with Cincinnati previous to that. And then Luke Maley, another catcher who had spent the previous season with the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, not a lot doing here. Uh, the lineup next season, I mean, what ESPN has their depth chart right now is Nick Solak at DH, Will Myers in right, Nick Senzel in center, Jake Fraley in left, Jose Barrio at short, Spencer Steer at third, Jonathan Indy at second, Joey Votto returning from injury at first base, Tyler Stevenson at catcher. Uh Looking bleak, a rotation of Nick Lodolo, Hunter Green, Graham Ashcraft, Luis Sessa, and Justin Dunn. Green, obviously, the great stuff, but fastball is straight as an arrow and hasn't seemed to figure out how to locate it. Nick Lodolo, definitely the ace of that staff. But a team, again, not looking formidable at this point in the offseason. Yeah, I mean, Joey Votto's 39 as well. So it's like, oh, Joey Votto coming back from injury, he's 39, and like you look at the rest of this roster, I don't know. Maybe you'll find someone, or you'll disagree. I don't see, for example, the Key Brian Hazer O'Neill Cruz type on the Reds. Like I, I struggle to see who you'd be pinning your hopes in. Of oh, that's you know, that's the guy who's not that far away coming to the right age where this thing could turn around. It doesn't even feel like they're in that spot profile wise. Now. I don't know, maybe they'll do a better job of just finding ways to pick up very rare wins here or there and could finish ahead of the Pirates in the standings. But if if we don't think the Pirates have much, it kind of feels like the Reds have nothing. Yeah, and they even uh, <laughs> acquired uh, some players that will figure to be on their roster via trade but aren't... Um, necessarily needle movers in terms of wins. Nick Solak was acquired from Texas in November for cash considerations, and they did make a trade with the Pittsburgh Pirates to acquire middle infielder Kevin Newman, who's a guy who's always been regarded as very good defensively, but has never really figured it out. I I don't know that he's going to start on this Reds team. Um, I would assume Brio and obviously India are the double play combination up the middle there, and, and Newman will be in a bench role. Uh, a team who the son of their owner last year told the fans, where are you going to go? We're the only show in town. Uh, and for anyone listening that might be a Reds fan, I finally finished the book Rethinking Fandom by Greg Calcaterra that I shouted out on episode one of this podcast. It's how to beat the sports industrial complex. And in this case, you really need to beat the Cincinnati Reds this because they are not treating you with very much respect. Uh you're but, proof. Yeah. You're proof, though. You can look beyond like what is maybe in closest proximity to you if that thing is just going to make you miserable or have no regard for you it's, or other human beings. It's a fascinating book. My decision was in a different category that he lays out. But the but the uh, the basic takeaway is your fandom is whatever you want it to be and whatever brings you the most joy. And, and, you know, I can still take joy from suffering through losing as a fan. But if you can't, you shouldn't have to. But uh, your, your fandom all, also, and I mean, this is this is speaking owner's language. Your fandom is your dollar. Like, and that's don't don't keep spending your money to support an owner who is doing nothing or a franchise who are doing nothing. They're not even doing nothing, but they're actively publicly showing disdain for you with their comments. Uh, like if, if I was a Red Sox. And he said that I would have taken that as a dare. I would have taken that so badly. If we were a Reds podcast, I would have melted down. Um, so yeah, I that's that really sucks for Reds fans. It's just it, that's kind of as bad as it gets in some ways. There are other ways. Um, yeah, I mean, they're like you and I are people that will not shy away from, uh, making disparaging comments about the people that sign the checks uh, if they deserve it. So I can only imagine if we hosted a Reds podcast, <laughs> it would not be pretty. 
for anyone. We should we also I'll mention one of the moves that they made to clear room uh for Will Myers was designating uh former brewer Mike Mustakis for assignment. So Mustakis's career since leaving Milwaukee has not really panned out in Cincinnati. Uh, I don't think uh, he's a real option for the Brewers, nor should he be, but I hope he finds a home somewhere and, you know, uh, finds a little more success uh, in his career. He was part of, if you're just a baseball fan in general, part of some of those really exciting uh, Kansas City Royals teams, and uh, we're now seeing those players scattered to the wind, and that leaves me to our next uh, team of discussion, Adam, the Chicago Cubs. So in terms of the free agent signings, the headliners, Danby, Dansby Swanson, who's been signed to a seven-year, $177 million deal, uh, former Atlanta Brave. Atlanta native, so interesting one there. Also signed uh, Jamison Tyon, mid-rotation starter, uh, four-year, $68 million, uh, a nice upgrade for their rotation there. Drew Smiley returns to Chicago on a two-year deal. Uh, Cody Bellinger, maybe the most intriguing deal that they've made this offseason one year 17.5 million dollar deal obviously won an mvp as a los angeles dodger and then just forgot how to hit it's been one of the the crazier fall-offs i've ever seen in baseball i mean this kind of thing happens but just he was a guy that along with Corey seeker at the time you expected to just be lifelong Dodgers that are part of a run to um, bring them multiple World Series. And now we know the only World Series they've won during this run has come in the shortened 2020 season. And now Seager's in Texas and Bellinger's in Chicago on a one-year deal. Uh, So it's a a real prove-it deal for him. Uh, A very well-paid prove-it deal, as it were. But nevertheless, he's... It was was Bellinger. Sorry, it was Bellinger who was in the really good ESPN ad with Yelly, right? That, that was... Correct. I think we do need to now ask, you know, was that ad, in fact, cursed? It's like when people say a movie set was cursed and, you know, people are people are dying just left, right, and center after. We haven't quite reached that way. But in a baseball sense... I I gotta say, Bellinger's really showing us that with Yelich and... and... Not necessarily the contract, but in terms of the performance, it could always be worse. <laughs> that being that being said, Bellinger is a very, very good defensive center fielder and first baseman. I think the Cubs will have him penciled in to play. Oh, they, they will definitely have him penciled in to play center field, excuse me, because they of will. a move that they made that's not even on this chart because of how recently it happened. But they are going to sign Eric Hosmer to play first base previously of the Royals, signed that big deal with San Diego, was traded the last season. Uh, to the Boston Red Sox. The Boston Red Sox uh, let him go this offseason, and now he's headed to Chicago to play first base. They've also signed Tucker Barnhart, uh, who most recently played in Detroit, was also a Red uh, for a period of time uh, as a catcher to, I guess, is he the primary replacement for Wilson Contreras? We'll get into that. And they've also, to round out this uh, selection of signings, they have signed old friend Brad Boxberger, on a one-year deal to be added to their bullpen. Obviously, Adam, the headliner is Dansby Swanson, but what are your initial thoughts about their class of free agents, we'll call it? My initial thoughts, I don't know how popular this will be, given the audience that we're podcasting to. I think they're good in an NL Central way. Like, I, I, they have very actively improved, and that does concern me a little bit from our vantage point. Um whether that's enough, whether that's actually meaningful in the bigger picture of the MLB season is very much up for debate, but that's not our concern, first and foremost, as a team that the Brewers are going to have to see a whole lot, even if they don't fully bridge the gap in the standings, which, you know, if things fall the right way for them, and there are a lot of ifs with some of the guys they brought in for that to be the case, but if things fall the right way, well, they could bridge that gap in the standings, but even if they don't, and they're just kind of notably improved, uh, the Brewers are going to see a lot of them, and they're a much better team than they were last year, I feel. like Contreras is a big and meaningful loss. Um, certainly makes them less viscerally annoying, although they are still the Cubs, so they'll work that out. Someone will step up to to fill those shoes. But yeah, I, I don't know if it's what 
Brewers fans really want to hear, but I, I do think the Cubs have had a pretty good offseason. Now, the other side of that is you're the Cubs. You've got the resources you've got at your disposal. Maybe there's a case you made, well, is that the best you can do out of this? It makes it better than they were last year, though. I, I think they've they've made some solid moves. Like I I don't think there's an A move in here anywhere. Um, but there's lots of kind of B caliber moves, some of which, you know, if they're a little bit below could trend up to that. Maybe some of the B's become A's if guys have a big season. I think they've they've done a nice job and that isn't something I'm ecstatic about given some of the concerns we have about the way the Brewers roster is shaping up or the kind of sluggish pace that we've seen with the Brewers offseason so far. Yeah, there's just an added degree of competence to their roster uh, for next season that is easy to imagine Imagine them leveling up a degree. I don't necessarily think this puts them in the race that I think will be a tight one this year between the Cardinals and the Brewers, but I think they're getting closer. Uh, the Swanson deal is interesting had by far the best year of his career last year. Uh, 277 batting average, 329 OBP, 447 slug, uh, and he hit 25 homers. He's played in 160 games in 2021, 162 games in 2022, was an all-star last year. The question for him is how does the bat age? Because he's been mostly a slightly below league average bat for his career, yet in the last three to four years, his defense is really up-leveled to where he's one of the better shortstops in the league, led shortstops and outs above average last year by a significant margin. Doesn't have the strongest arm, uh, solid range, solid positioning, which obviously a, a lot of that comes from your analytics department and how that filters down to your coaches and how they position you throughout a game. Uh, quick transfers. He's just a really good defensive shortstop. That shifts Nico Horner to second base to give them uh, if Horner makes that transition successfully, the, one of the best middle infield defensive combinations in baseball. Horner was a damn good shortstop in his own right last year for the Cubs. So their defense is strong up the middle uh, with with those two. And then you've got Bellinger in center. Uh, Ian Happ primarily will cover left field. Say Suzuki in right field. The addition of Hosmer at first means uh, prospect Matt Mervis will probably do some DHing. The weakest part of their lineup now probably is Wisdom, Patrick Wisdom at third base and Tucker Barnhart and the Jan Gomes combination at catcher. But there's just a degree of competence down the lineup that they didn't have. They had more holes last year. I mean, Bellinger's another big wild card. If he shows some semblance of becoming the player he was in the past, then this uplevels them by a lot. Is the swing broken? We'll find out. Uh the rotation, Marcus Stroman, Jamison Tyon, Kyle Hendricks, Justin Steele, Drew Smiley, um, some other options like Hayden Wisniewski and other guys throughout the organization that may be that's, called in at certain that's points. That's very competent, that, that five. I mean, it doesn't have maybe the spectacular top end that the Brewers, for example, have, but like one true five, that's good. Like any given night, you're like, okay, we'll be in with a chance. The one thing that I, I know you'll get to relievers in a second, that's the the area for me. Catcher is one that I think is pretty obvious, but I don't know overall. I think they'll get good starting pitching, um, but they could definitely be found wanting once those starters exit games. Yeah. Um, I mean, they'll have guys like Rowan Wick, uh, Adrian Sampson, if he's not going to be one of those back-end starter options might be in the bullpen full-time next year. Um, they drafted, uh, this was in the minor league portion, Nick Birdie, they drafted it in the minor league phase of the Rule 5 draft. He's a former um, high-end relief prospect that's never really panned out. Um, if the, the Brewers were right and Brad Boxberger is not ready to continue being an effective late-inning bullpen arm, that's one area where they could be in trouble. Uh, if he is, and they continue to ride the uh, the train of uncertainty with him there, then then who knows? But uh, yeah, they're I don't think they're division contenders. If something breaks right, and we get to the point where it looks like the Cubs are in the wild card race in August, would I be shocked? No, I'm not expecting it. But just 
there are more scenarios that break the right way for the Cubs to to be competitive next year in a way that just didn't exist in the past. I mean, you know, I love Ian Happ as a hitter. I love Seiya Suzuki. Um, if Swanson's breakout is real for a few more seasons, then that gives them a really above average bat up the middle. I don't know. There's a lot to like about what they've done. I think obviously Cubs fans, my recurring bit on this podcast is just to trash the Cubs organization at every point possible. I think this was an off season where they couldn't do nothing. They had no excuses to do nothing anymore. They just tore down the, the world series uh, winning team. Rizzo's in uh, New York, Chris Bryant's in uh, Colorado. Wilson Contreras is somewhere else that we'll talk about in a minute. And a team that the city like really rallied around and broke a hundred year plus curse is gone. If the Ricketts had gone into this offseason and done nothing, I think it would have been time to just like, I don't know, just playing on empty Wrigley Fields moving forward because that's what they deserve. And instead, they went out and they spent money, and I hate it, but I think they did a, a good job even if they didn't reach the heights that they probably should reach for an organization of their stature. Yeah, one more I, team to dis- oh, excuse me. No, Sorry, no, go, go on. No, I, I mean, I was thinking, do I go now or do I hold? And I think I'll hold it till after this team because my thing with the Cubs and you talk about a wild card or couldn't win the division. I, I think it factors into the Cardinals, it factors into the Brewers. So we'll talk Cardinals and we'll circle back to overall thoughts in the division now. A team that, um, won the National League Central last year, then immediately lost in the playoffs the st louis cardinals have made a meaningful upgrade to a position of need this offseason but i also think their fans wish they had done or may still do a little bit more uh the st louis cardinals big move of the offseason is taking wilson Contreras away from the chicago cubs on a five-year 87 and a half million dollar deal uh some exits as well jose quintana leaves St. Louis, who they acquired midseason and was really good for them, leaves to go to the New York Mets. Uh, and then the retirements of Albert Pujols, who was a big factor, surprisingly, in their lineup last year. And then Yadier Molina, who was not really uh, uh, very much with the bat at this point, but is uh, still a loss to the roster. Their big move is, is Contreras, and I think that's a, a good move for them offensively. What that does for them defensively, there's uh, room for debate there. I don't think anyone's uh, signing Wilson Contreras for his glove, but there we are. That's that's the move, and you're basically, to an extent, running this team back and counting on Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado to be the superstars they are, Tommy Edmond to continue to be one of the best defensive shortstops up the middle, figuring out some sort of contributions from Brendan Donovan or Nolan Gorman at second base. Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson, Lars Newtbar, a favorite of Jordan Tresky, uh, in the outfield, and then I guess Juan Yepes will be doing some. Oh, please, let's let's see more Juan Yepes out in the field. I yeah, mean, that's, I, that's I, I prefer I'm him up. in left field. You sure you don't want to DH Tyler O'Neill, uh, Jack Flaherty, Jordan Montgomery, Adam Wainwright, Miles Michaelis, Stephen Matz in the rotation, Ryan Helsley still at closer, guys like Giovanni Gallegos and Jordan Hicks in the bullpen as well. They're counting on everyone. They're, they're counting on performances from last year to hold steady and for Contreras to be a meaningful enough upgrade uh, in the lineup at catcher to keep them on the exact same train that they were. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad strategy, um, but I, I'm a big buy from a position of strength type of guy. So I don't know, maybe, maybe upgrading one of those rotation spots. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, losing... Um... Jose Quintana, which, I mean, they probably game-planned for when they traded him, essentially. That was a, let's push the chips in, we're a good team in a good position, let's make some noise in the playoffs, and they did the exact opposite of that. I think that hurts when Adam Wainwright is 41. This is, he has confirmed this will be his final season, right? I I believe so. Contreras, I'm not going to I'm not going to talk down on because he did plenty of damage to the Brewers last season. And honestly, I'd probably expect him to do similar this year. Um, 
we know what there is to fear about goals from Arenado. I don't know though. It's it's a close call as to whether they got better. I do think they had to do something because as much as we could talk about where uh, Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina were at at that point in their career, there was still something there. I mean, Pujols again did damage to the Brewers last year and was a positive contributor with the bat. But even there's just something more to, I guess, the whole alchemy of how the Cardinals, you know, do this, how they pull this off, how they become the team they are. That is, with those two guys gone, that is starting to die out. And I, I'm sure there is kind of to the clubhouse something of a, something of a void left there from two big names, two big personalities leaving. Um, so I think Contreras was someone they needed to sign for his production, but also. <laughs> Guy is a big character, so he's going to come in and he's not going to be afraid to kind of throw his weight around, make his voice heard. Um, They may be slightly worse. I think Contreras is a good move. They were as aggressive as they need to be. I think you said Cardinals fans probably want another one or two additions, and I think they probably need that to be really good and to feel they're in a position of strength in the division, which based on where they were last year, they probably should be. Like, that should have been what they wanted to do coming into this season is, okay, we established ourselves the second half of the season as the true number one in the division right now. Well, let's go kick on and let's cement that. Let's get the Brewers way out of our way. Let's not worry about the Cubs. And right now, I think it's much, much closer to parity with what the Cardinals have done. They'll be really good, uh, but probably more fallible than they were when they got hot and you were seeing Albert Pujols really meaningfully contribute as well. The big question is, is Paul Goldschmidt finally going to age? (laughs) Because he's 35 years old. And I think that season really came out of nowhere for people. I mean, then we know how good he is, but it, there was probably some degree of expectation that he will eventually and age into like a solid mid 800s low 800s OPS first baseman who doesn't hit for the power he once did and yet he comes out with that level of a season Arenado I'm more bullish on betting on him continuing to put up similar seasons to it that he did last year but they both might regress and that could be the difference uh that's what we're hoping for that's what we're betting on uh that brings us Pretty close to the end of this episode, I think, Adam. There's one bit of baseball news that has just broken while we're mm-hmm. doing this, though. Raphael Devers has signed an 11-year, 331, is it? I just moved away from that tab. Three, million 331, dollar. I believe, yeah. Yep, 11 years, $331 million extension with the Boston Red Sox. Another <laughs> situation uh, like with the Cubs where John Henry, after losing Xander Bogarts to the San Diego Padres, could not afford not to extend Rafael Devers. So, uh, are you just personally are are you happy with where John Henry has currently decided his money is? You know, most urgently needed to be spent. Is that? Um, I am too dead inside to care. Uh, it's it, you know I'm happy. That for was a, that was a Liverpool reference for for anyone who doesn't know the team that I drew support. Yeah, it was. Uh, uh, Jude Bellingham uh, it might not be coming to Anfield. <laughs> Will we get to uh, overlook general thoughts on the division? Will we do that to wrap up? Yeah. Uh, I can go first. Okay. If 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 you're locking me into making a prediction right now, I'm going Brewers one, Cardinals two, uh, Cubs three. Reds four, Pirates five. I don't know. Uh I my the one thing I'm going all in on right now, and I might as well just say it is I think if the Brewers have a healthy season with the starting rotation, it's going to propel them in this division. And at the very least, get them one of those last wildcard spots. I think we get one more run of this 
group together. Now, what happens with Corbin Burns at the end of next season remains to be seen, but I think this rotation has one last hurrah showing how good they can be and are top five in run prevention in baseball, and that's what happens. But the Cardinals should be the favorites going into it when you're not just trying to, you know, hope things into existence. And the Cubs are much more formidable uh, than they've been in the last few years. What I kind of sense happening here and what to some extent I fear because it will shrink the margin of error much more significantly and will not give a a second place team the chance to dream and hope like we got as the Brewers uh, tried to work their way into the wildcard late in the season. I I think if the Cardinals take a step back, the Brewers kind of stay where they are. And if the Cubs improve meaningfully, this could get very, very congested. These teams could all take games off of each other all season. And as a result, you could find yourself in a spot where you have to win the division. Um, now, the flip side of that is the Pirates and Reds being no-shows may just give <laughs> those three teams enough of a kind of a head start as opposed to other teams in the National League where maybe you can kind of get away with it being tied at the top. But I really think it's going to be pretty kind of congested up there. I, I, I'm i going to go Brewers 1, Cardinals 2, Cubs 3, but I, I do think we could really come down to an unbelievably close division race and one that is very, very scary. And Honestly, if I was any of these teams, I mean, it's probably past that with the Cubs because they've already spent quite a lot. That would be my motivation right now, looking at the picture, being like, okay, the division is there for the taking. But as things stand, it's also set up that we could have a pretty good season and lose out. You could even potentially could third in your division. So that's kind of where it feels to me. It feels that kind of finely balanced. If one of these three teams comes true with a significant move that gives them an upgrade in a certain spot and the others don't react, that could be the thing that pushes it over the edge. Obviously we're going to see how health is going to play into it over the course of the season. Um, But yeah, that's, that's my one concern in mapping out the Brewers season with what I think has been improving from the Cubs or yeah, major improvement for the Cubs and the Cardinals, they might just tread water. They'd probably take a slight step back, I'd say. Um, but that could just lead to these three teams being very, very close. And with that, a boneheaded couple of weeks, or, I mean, if we want to put a finer point on it, a failure to just take care of business against the Reds and the Pirates, which is ultimately what cost the Brewers last season. And I think you'd be in for a world of pain. An interesting factor into all of this that I'm sure we'll get to at another point is just the schedule is going to be different than anything we've seen before because now you're only playing 13 games against each divisional opponent, uh, more interleague games against teams in the American League. So how that balance works out. It, it also factors into the divisions that we deem to be very strong. The National League East, the, the Mets, Braves, and Phillies seem to be in this arms race. And then you've still got Miami, who's got Sandy Alcantara going every fifth day, along with Pablo Lopez. Then there's you, Washington. Uh, you barely <laughs> exist. It's fine. So how teams beat up on one another and how that shakes out and who gets who in the American League and elsewhere in the National League, it's going to be a different season in terms of how that breaks down than we've ever had before. And I, I think we just don't know how it's going to shake out, but it. It figures to be a very tight division at the top. I agree. Um, division races are fun. They'll be stressful. They give us great things to talk about. And uh, we'll be talking about them sooner than it feels like right now. I'm going Pirates 4, Reds 5, by the way, just to just to round that out. I, the Reds have got nothing. I, I feel really sorry for Reds fans. So... I'm really counting on uh, Nick Lodolo to win every start he throws next year. He might have to. He might have to. All right. I think that does it for us. We'll be back to you all next week to talk more Brewers. Uh, we won't commit to exactly what that will be right now because we're going to give you, the Milwaukee Brewers, a chance to you know do something. Um, you could set the terms of the next episode if you wish, Matt Arnold. 
So we'll we'll see what we're talking about next week. To make sure you don't miss that or any episode of the pod, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Cruising for a bruising. We're pretty much everywhere you get pods. As I mentioned up top, we're now also on Repod. Go follow us. Go join up to our new community. You can give us your thoughts on how you see the NL Central playing out. Do you think we're underrating the Cardinals, overrating the Cardinals? I mean, I'm going to guess people are going to feel like we're overrating the Cubs just because they want that deep down in their soul. They want the Cubs to be a laughing stock and a disaster. Uh, but to go join us on Repod and be able to chip in with your thoughts on any episode and chop things up with us, join Repod.com forward slash cruising for a bruising. GSPN.info, that's the place to get information on all things Eurostep Podcast Network. You should follow the Eurostep Podcast Network main feed for Eurostep with Tywin and Sharon Cuddy, Win Six, myself and Jordan. That's where you get all things Milwaukee books. Talk of the Tundra. The Green Bay Packers control their own destiny. Big, big few days ahead for the pack. Jordan Tresky, Numak, they've got it all covered in Talk of the Tundra. I know we make time for this. Andrew and I are also talking about movies, pop culture, all of that good stuff. Go check out all of our pods. Give them a chance. Maybe there's you've never listened before. Go try one of our other podcasts. You might just find it's for you. You might pick up another interest along the way. Until next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Adam. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.